What's going on Sunday morning at Coastal? You guys doing good? You guys are the hard, hardcore group coming in in the rain. I just want to welcome everybody that's with us today. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can you guys help me welcome everybody from our Lighthouse Point location, everybody that's watching online. We love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us today. And uh, today is a very, very special day uh, in particular for me because this weekend uh, we have an incredible guest with us. Uh, the, the person that we have has probably made the largest impact on my life over the last 20 years. Uh, he has actually been my pastor for the last 20 years. Uh, he saw something in me when I was just a, a 22-year-old punk. And... Um, he, he saw something in me that nobody else could see. When everybody else had given up on me, he did not give up on me. And he invested in my life. He believed in me. He encouraged the gift of God in my life. Pastors an incredible church in the Bradenton, Sarasota area called Bayside Community Church. Nine locations, tens of thousands of people showing up to church every single weekend. And, and so he's here with us this weekend, and he's going to blow your mind. He's going to bless you. Can you guys give a huge coastal welcome to my pastor, Pastor Randy Bizet? Love you too, man. Thank you so much. How many of you would just like to say right away that you're glad your pastor has a pastor? Come on. Because he needs it. All right, okay. I know my work here is not done with you, okay? So, man, what an honor to be with you guys, to see what God is doing. And TJ is right. I met him 20 years ago. We started our church 20 years ago, and literally just weeks after we started, pastors TJ and Shayla showed up at our church, young, dumb. You know how it is, right? And just thinking they were going to take over the world. And uh, they needed somebody to believe in them because God does have a call on their life. And there is a lot of potential still in there. And I, when I look at all that God has done, and let me just tell you that I'm proud of you. And I believe that God is just getting started. Come on, Coastal. You guys, you need to understand that this is, this, you didn't arrive yet. God is just setting you up for what he's really put in your heart. And I'm so thankful for the time that I got to spend with you. It ended up being good seed. Praise God. I put it in good ground. And so, uh, but I'm proud of you. And listen, what God is doing, just this year, you guys have grown over 50% in attendance. That is impacting South Florida. Come on, y'all give God praise for that. that. I don't know if you know, but a lot of churches are shutting their doors because they don't have people coming. And God is blessing this thing. A thousand people have given their lives to Christ this year alone. That is, that's amazing. And uh, $3 million, psh, God's not up there struggling because of inflation. He's not like, well, I don't know, man. I, I don't have $3 million now. I had it a couple years ago when my stocks are really hurting. But no, he's, he's not worried. How many of y'all can have faith that God can provide $3 million? Yeah. Faith without works is dead, though, so you better, you better give. Okay, so I think God's going to even do immeasurably more. You read that all the time around here. And I wanted to say in front of your church how proud I am of you and how encouraged I am about what God has done, what he is doing, and what is still to come in Jesus' name. One more time, y'all give God some praise for your pastors and for your church. And so before I get into what I want to share today, can I introduce you to my family and uh, so, uh, whether you put my picture up there, oh, that's a good-looking family, right? It has a lot to do with the woman you see right there on my right. Now, I know that looks like my oldest daughter, okay, but that's, that's my smoking hot wife, okay. 
uh, 29 and a half years. Y'all give it up. My wife, Amy, is with us today. Come on, y'all give it up for Amy. I love you with all my heart. I wouldn't be who I am today without you. I love doing life with you. Uh, I love it. Thank you. And if you ever leave me, I'm going with you, okay, because... <laughs> I'm never going to make it without her. She's incredible. So, uh, all right, all the way to your left there, that's our oldest son, Jordan. That's his wife, Sable, right next to him. And uh, they are going to provide for us our first grandchild next month. Yes, I am so ready for that. And so, listen, those of you parents, you're still raising kids or teenagers, don't kill them. Because I can't tell you how many times we plotted his death and... Uh, <laughs> And we, we didn't, and I'm so thankful because look what he's about to provide. Yes, all right. And so, uh, yeah, that's December 16th. And then right next to Sable is our youngest child and our only daughter. Oh, yeah, right. I know, because we had three boys, and then we thought we were done, and then God blessed us with a little girl. And then the boys are all like, Dad, she's your favorite. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's better if you know where you stand in life, right? It just makes it easier. Swallow that pill, boys. She's my favorite. Okay, so uh, she should have been graduating high school in May, but she finished early, overachiever. Also has finished two years of college already by dual enrollment. When her friends were walking the aisle in May, she bought a food truck business and started an acai food truck. And so she's taken over the world. You need to know who she is. Okay, so yeah, proud of that girl. Okay, all the way to the right. That right there is our son, Connor. That's our second son. And uh, right next to him is his wife, Brooke. And uh, they've been married. It'll be two years in January. And then right next to Brooke is our third son, Dylan. Now, Dylan graduates college next month, and he's getting married in March. So that means I get another pay raise because another one's off the payroll. So <laughs> hallelujah, right? And so anyway, that's our family. I wanted to introduce those guys to you. And when I think about my family and I think about the topic for today, it's, it's a topic that I'm very excited and I'm passionate to speak about. It's the word legacy. Everyone say legacy. legacy. You guys are taking a legacy offering, but legacy is much bigger than what you're going to do on January or December 3rd and 4th. Uh, it's something that we all really want in our lives. And, and, and the legacy that we all want in our lives is that after we're gone, what people say about us are things that are going to make a difference on this earth. And I don't know if you know this, but people are going to talk about you, you know, after you die, when they're all sitting around eating potato salad, you know, like what, what are they going to say about you? That's your, your legacy. And, and you are going to die one day. And I don't want to be morbid, but the mortality rate is, is 100%, okay? So what you need to do is realize that people are going to say things about you. So wouldn't it be great if today we started planning our legacy after we were gone? Now, we have a story of a man named Alfred Nobel. Now, Alfred was the man who invented dynamite. Not J.J. on good times. Come on, old people, right? Dynamite. Not, not that guy right there. But he literally invented the explosive dynamite. Now, Alfred had a brother, and his brother died. And when he was alive, this still when they had newspapers, young people, newspaper. That's kind of like Twitter feed, but they actually printed it. And you got it the next day, not like, you know, in real time. So the paper printed Alfred Nobel's obituary instead of his brother. They thought he had died instead. So Alfred had the chance to do something that very few people could ever do. He got to read his obituary while he was still alive. Because they thought he died rather than his brother. Here's what the title of it said. 
the merchant of death is dead. And it was in that moment he had an epiphany, and he said, I do not want that to be my legacy. So Alfred Nobel started the Nobel Peace Prizes, which we are all aware. He funded it, and that's still what funds the gifts that are given through those even now. Hey, he changed his legacy, did he not? It's a lot better legacy that he has now. So you and I today, what I would hope to do and what I'm really praying that Holy Spirit would do as well, would be to cause us to realize, hey, I can actually start writing my own obituary now. In the scripture, Psalm 112 says that a righteous person is remembered forever. In other words, that's the legacy that we want, that it's something that lasts for eternity, not just while we're here on this earth. So what can you and I do to live in such a way that our legacy, like is something we can be proud of and thankful that we lived our lives that way? So here's what we're going to do today. Would you open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6 or click to 1 Timothy chapter 6, okay, on your smart device. And I want to study a passage of scripture. And then the Apostle Paul wrote this passage. He wrote the entire epistle of 1 Timothy. In fact, he wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was at the end of his life. In fact, most scholars would say that Paul was in the last year of his life when he wrote this. And Paul had accomplished a lot. But, you know, when people are at the end of their lives, usually what they say are the most important things, right? You know, the older I get, the more I'm like, well, the words that I say, I want to make sure that people get them and think they're important. So, that I means what Paul is saying to Timothy, who Timothy was a very young person. And he's like, look, I know you're young, but I want to tell you some things that are very important to making sure that your life is lived in such a way that it creates an incredible legacy. So let's study today what the Apostle Paul was saying regarding legacy. One more time, everybody say the word legacy. First Timothy chapter 6. Paul says, but you, you Timothy, you are a man of God. So you need to run from evil things, pursue righteousness, and actually a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness, and then fight this good fight for true faith. And then hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Would you open your hearts and let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word, it speaks to our lives today. There are problems that are represented collectively with this church. Those online, that lighthouse, here at this Parkland location. God, I just pray that your word today would speak to us. God, so what we need is spiritual ears to hear. We need hearts that are ready to receive this word. And God, I pray that it would just go out and fall on like good ground. I discourage or I come against any distractions in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, for this word and this seed to be planted in our lives. I pray, God, that I wouldn't get in the way, but let you be front and center so that we can leave this place different than we came. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. All right, you have your notes there that were given to you as well when you walked in. Those online, you can, you can follow along as well. Here's what I want you to look at this first point here. If we're going to live a life in such a way that leaves an eternal legacy, we need to live with integrity. Now, this is huge, Coastal. you got to listen, okay? Because most times we would focus on the big things in life and say, well, these are the most important. And we'd put like the, the big rocks, the most important things. But I'm here to tell you that I think it's the little things oftentimes that make the biggest difference. The little things that we might overlook and go, oh, they're not that important, but they make a huge difference. Solomon said that it's the little foxes that can spoil the whole vineyard. It's the little things in our life. In this case, I'm speaking about integrity, 
We can think it's such a small thing, but I'm here to tell you it can make a big difference. Right? How many lies do you have to tell before someone's going to label you a liar? Just one, right? That's, a, that's one little thing. How many times do you have to cheat before people go, well, that person is just a cheater? How many times do you have to say something and not do it till people all of a sudden start trusting or stop trusting your word? Have you ever seen people before, like, make it to life like they accomplish? They got a blue check by their name. Kind of. I mean, they like, all right, they got it going on. And then all of a sudden their life just crumbles and falls apart. Why? Because their character couldn't support where their feet Took them because they didn't live with integrity. Every year, America publishes a list of the most admired people. Billy Graham made that list 61 times. That's a record. No one has even come close to that. Why would he be so admired? One word. Exactly. Man, you got it, TJ. You're doing a great job. Okay. <laughs> These guys, they, they got it going on. Integrity. Because Proverbs says a good name is more desirable than great riches. In other words, more than amassing things in life, a good name. To be esteemed, to have integrity is actually better than silver and gold. So let me define integrity with three little thoughts, okay? First one is tell the truth. That means when you tell somebody, oh, no, you look great. Don't lie to them. I mean, you know, I'm not saying be mean to people, but learn how to tell the truth. You know how it is, you're running late somewhere, you call them up, oh, traffic is terrible. No, you just were running late. <laughs> I'm there in five minutes. You know you're not there. The map says you're going to be there in 20 minutes. But you're lying, and you think, oh, it's, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal. That's the thing that oftentimes destroys our life. And so many times we think we can do it and get away with it. But I'm not talking about even what people say. I'm talking about the foundation of your life. When we were starting our church 20 years ago, uh, my pastor in Baton Rouge, Pastor Larry Stockstill, he's still my pastor. When he, was, when he was sending us out to come to Florida to start this church, he said he wanted to help start, to help fund the church. So he said, we're going to send you this check. And he told us how much. And I was like, "Whoa, thank you, Jesus, because we needed the money to get started. And then the next month, lo and behold, I went to the post office box and I, and I checked the mail and there was a check in the mail for that amount. And I was like, oh, pastor, thank you so much. And I called him up and I said, thank you very much. Next month, another check for the same amount came. I opened it up and I went, they made a mistake. Praise Lord. <laughs> then I realized, wait a minute, I can't do that. It's a big church and they probably wouldn't, it's a big amount to me, probably wouldn't even have noticed it. Just somewhere in their business office, somebody messed up. And sent the check again. And I said, I am not about to cash that. I called my pastor and I said, Pastor, somebody made a mistake because you sent the check last month. Remember I called you and I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, that same amount came in another check today and somebody messed up and I wanted you to know. He goes, oh, no. He goes, no, we're going to send another one next month, too. I was like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, I probably could have gotten away with it. So it seems. But it's the crack in our foundations of our integrity that causes us ultimately to collapse, changes the legacy. Tell the truth. Come on, everybody smile. I know. I know we, we need to hear this, but we don't want to hear it. All right, how about this? Keep your word. Integrity is doing what you said you would do. If you said you were going to love your spouse till death do us part, it doesn't mean you get to bring death quicker. 
It means you're there with him to the end, right? For better or for worse, or for richer or for poor. Stay faithful to your spouse. When you talk to somebody like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll call you next week. Call them next week. Oh, we need to hang out. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that. We'll do it. Maybe. How about this? Call, check your kids out of school or tell them they're not coming to school. You tell the office, oh, they're sick today. They're not sick. You got something cool playing you want to go do. It seems like a small little thing, but I'm telling you, we have to keep our word. We have to speak the truth. When you tell somebody you're going to return their phone call, return their phone call. I know pastors TJ and Shayla, they live by this. I learned this from my pastor in Baton Rouge, that if you had an event, let's say tonight the church was doing something at 7 o'clock, and pastors TJ and Shayla, they stood up here and they said, hey, this thing is at 6.30 tonight. Guess what's going to happen now? That means it's going to be at 6.30, right? right. You've probably done that before. Unfortunately, yes. Why? Because you're going to be judged by your word. Do you keep your word? That's why it's better than silver and gold. Quit chasing things. Build your life with integrity. Okay, here's the last one with integrity. You're going to love it. <coughs> it is admit when you're wrong. Ooh, come on, everybody smile. Yeah, we don't like that. And isn't this the most difficult in your own family? To, and how many of y'all got some crazy people in your family? You're like, I hate telling them I'm wrong, but it's hard. I know I've, I have a hard time with this. We've been married 29 years, and we were talking the other day about something that I did wrong, and Amy brought it up, and I went to tell her I was wrong, and I said, I'm, 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 I mean, Amy, I, uh, I was, I was, I was, I was, you know, it's just, it's, isn't it hard to get that word out? We, we, it'd be easier. We like to say, oh, my bad, my bad. No, admit it. I made a mistake. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? It's not my bad. Be a, be a person of integrity. Be a person that leaves a great legacy. I made a mistake. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Well, that's so hard to do. We, we hide from people when we make mistakes because we don't, we don't want to face them. We think people won't respect us. I'm here to tell you they'll respect you more when you admit that you're wrong and own up to your mistakes than if you try to hide and skirt around them and try to hide them. Look, for me, the most important thing is the photo of those, those people that are represented in that photo. Do they respect me? I could have the respect of thousands of people, but what about those that are closest to you? Let's live with integrity. It starts right there. Okay, let's go back to 1 Timothy. What else could Paul say about this? Um, look, what, look what he says here in chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. He says, I want you to teach those who are rich. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and don't put your trust in their money, which is actually so unreliable. Their trust actually should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, and they should be rich in good works. And generous to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. So you need to live with integrity. I want you to write this down. You need to recognize who you are. Everybody say recognize. <laughs> you tell that to people sometimes. Say, you better recognize. Well, you better recognize who you are. Now, Paul says something here. He says, I want you to teach those who are rich. That word teach, it actually means to help people learn something. And here's what I want to say, first of all, is that God has specific things to say to people who are rich. I mean, the Bible speaks to all kinds of people, right? 
speaks to marriages, it speaks to parenting, it speaks to people that are single, people that are owners of business, people that work for others. It doesn't matter your situation in life. The Bible speaks to that. It also speaks to rich people and it has some things to say to them. Which, side note, if you're new to this church, you need to know this is a Bible-based church. And they don't just try to figure out theology or what's important in life. This, this church is built on the Word of God. And so you can count on the truth being solid. And it's not relative truth. Like, it's, it's truth that has been around forever, and it always will be. And that's the kind of churches. It's a Bible-based church. Can you give it up and praise God for a Bible-based church that's full of the Word of God? Yeah. So the Bible also speaks to rich people. Now, when we see, okay, rich people, like, I mean, who does that apply to? We might identify ourselves in a lot of categories. Like, how many of you would say, I'm tall? Any tall people in the house? Go on, raise your hand. All right. There's a couple of you. All right. How many of you would say, I'm short? Yeah, so it must be a lot of you. Okay. How many of you say, I'm good looking, though? Like, hey. All right. How many of you say, well, I'm, I'm smart, though. I'm, I'm smart. Smart enough to know better than to raise my hand. Come on, if that's you. But when we come to this category of rich, none of us would go, yeah, that's me. We would think of other people. Well, if Elon Musk were here, that dude's wealthy. Anybody can send a spaceship up and bring it back down. That dude got some money. All right. Jeff Bezos, he got, he got a lot of money. That's a rich person. That must be who the scripture's talking to when it's talking about rich people. I got a question for you. Did you know that the Bible is read and studied in other places besides America? So, in other words, but we all do this. We interpret the Bible inside our own bubble. And we contextualize it into our own lives. So you read that and you go, well, that's not me. But let me zoom out a little bit and let me give you a global perspective a little bit about who is really rich. If you came here in a car, then you're in the top 10% of people in the world. Only 10% of the population owns a car. Okay, if you have $4,200 worth of assets to your name, you're actually in the top 50% of the world. That's incredible, isn't it? Think about this. Okay, if you have an, your whole household income is just over $100,000, you're in the top 10%. Of all people in the world, and you go, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, guess what? If your household income is $75,000, you're in the top 25%. In other words, it didn't really escape people in this area. So that means the Bible may be speaking to you. So let me help you understand this a little bit more. I have the privilege of traveling and planting churches all across the world. Been to Nepal and India, and then we do a lot of work in Zimbabwe as well. Very poor people. Imagine if I would go to Zimbabwe and just pick up one of those people inside those villages and those huts that many of them don't even have a place to live. And I would take that person, put them on a plane and bring them and, and just drop them right here in Coral Springs and just let them walk around and kind of look at everything. I wonder what they might say. They might say things like, man, these people are rich. They, they, they might say, I mean, y'all agree. They probably would say these people are rich. They would say things like, but these people are so rich, you're not going to believe it. They got so much money that they actually put it in a house and store it there. They call it a bank. But that's how much money they have. They got a house just to store the money. And these people, they know they're going to have so much money left over that they hire counselors to tell them what to do with their money after they're gone. These people are rich, man. These people are so rich, they actually pay people to cook food for them. 
They call them restaurants or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But, but they pay people to cook their food. I know. It's, it's amazing. In fact, these people are so wealthy that they live in homes. And these homes are so big, they have rooms in their home that nobody even sleeps in. They call them guest rooms or something like that. They got extra rooms just around the house. Doesn't make sense to me. They, these people are so rich, they all have jobs. And they even have jobs that pay them money to not even come to work. What, what is that all about? Think of their mind, how it would be blown. And then they would come to your house and they would look at your house and they go, wow, these people are rich. They actually have houses for their cars. They call them garages. And they park their cars in the garage because they don't want the weather to bother them. And some of these people are so wealthy, they have two-car garages. And in some of them, like the real wealthy people, they have three-car garages. Two for their cars and one for all their junk. I mean, you don't even raise your hand. We know who you are. All right. And he said, these people are so rich. In fact, some of these women are so rich. They have rooms in their house where they put all of their clothes. It's a room just for clothes. They call it a closet or something. And when you walk in those big closets, you can walk in that room and there's shelves and stacks of all of these clothes. And then some of these women literally walk into their rooms of clothes. And they look at all those clothes. And then they say, Yes, yes, exactly. So, do you understand in your Western mind, this might be talking to you? Never thought of that before. Okay, look, I have $3 here. Nobody flinched. I mean, you kind of like this a little bit, flinched a little bit. I think you're just, you scratching or something. I don't know. Like, Three dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars. You can't even go to Starbucks for three dollars. You, you can't even buy a Tic Tac for three dollars nowadays. And yet, no one flinched. But do you understand that this three dollars represents what over two billion people on this planet work for for a day? Two billion people on this planet, if I threw this on the ground, they would just lunge for it. An entire day's wage. So, I want you to recognize who you are. So that, here's your last thought, we can maintain an eternal perspective. Let's go back and see what Paul was saying, right? He said, okay, I want to I teach rich people something. So first of all, you have to understand... Who you are. You got to recognize who you are. So he says, okay, tell them then don't, don't trust that their trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them actually to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, look at this, they're going to be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life eternal life, the Greek word is the word zoe. It isn't just life here on this earth, but it's the legacy life that we're talking about. This verse is awesome. It's got three little things here that I think you need to point out. First of all, God says he gives you these things so you can enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about who you are and where you live now that you understand how blessed you really are. God chose you. 
to live in this generation, to live in this exact moment, to live in this community and to be in this church and to hear this message today. He did that because he wants you to live with joy. Everybody just smile. Come on, everybody just, just smile. Look, that's why I planted a church in Florida. I'm from Louisiana. Everywhere looks like the promised land. But Florida <laughs> is an incredible place. I'm so thankful that I live here. I love it here. I would live here even if I didn't pastor a church here. Like, because I, I like warm weather, I like golf, I like Disney World, I like beaches. I, I like all of those things. God wants you to enjoy what you have. Everybody smile again. Come on, God. He wants you to enjoy it. But he says that you shouldn't trust worldly things. Why shouldn't you trust worldly things? Because they'll disappoint you. Yeah. Come on, you know what it's like. You dolphin fans. You know, you know what I'm <laughs> Hey. Hey, we're doing good. I'm messing up now. But think about it. You seven and four. You're like, we're on top of the world. But the playoffs are coming and you're going to be, oh, look, I'm a Saints fan. I can feel your pain, my brother. All right. The way I am, we, we take off the S. So we just the ain'ts fans. OK, so I can sympathize with you. In other words, stuff like that will disappoint you. Proverbs says human desires are like the world of the dead. There's always room for more. Enjoy stuff, but don't put stuff as the main thing because whatever you have, then you go, oh, well, that's not shiny anymore. I want, I want something else. You get a new car, and all of a sudden you realize, well, everybody's got this car, so I need another one, right? You know how it is. So don't, don't put your trust in that. Don't count on it to bring the fulfillment you need. So what he goes on to say is that you actually should use your money. That word use means to deploy something as a means of accomplishing a purpose. So if you are rich, enjoy it. Don't trust it, but use it. Deploy it for legacy. Look, there are things that you can do, a legal document called a will. And a will just simply says, once you die, we're going to deploy your assets to these people. That's a living or a legal will. Today, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that there are spiritual wills. Ways that we can deploy our lives in such a way that has an eternal impact. So can I give it to you? It's simple. We're going to take you on this long journey to get you to this place right now. I want you to write this word down. It's simple. People. That is the eternal currency right there. It's people. And not just being nice to people and helping them socially. I'm talking about Jesus. The only thing you can take with you to heaven are the people that you impact while you're here on this earth. All the rest of it, there, there's, no, there, there's no hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? I mean, all that stuff, it's gone. But the people's lives that you impact, you can take with you forever. Which is why Coastal is such a great church to be a part of, because they are people-centric. They are not building-centric. Are you building a new building? Absolutely. Why? I don't know if you noticed, but there's no room around here, okay, to reach more. Everybody say people. You're going to plant another campus. Why? Because those people where you're going to plant this new campus, which I can't say, I'll let Pastor TJ tell you, all right, but you're going to reach people there that won't come here or to your lighthouse location. Why are you doing those things? Not so that you can have the things you're using. You're deploying those things for an eternal ROI, and it's all about People, when Amy and I still lived in Louisiana, we were spending the day in New Orleans. We had two kids at the time. One was almost two and one was 
uh, just a newborn. We came out of this store and we had to carry him down the stairs and put him on the sidewalk. Uh, I had a stroller. The baby was in the stroller. The other one, Jordan, you know, we teach him, hold on to the stroller while we're walking around so we don't lose you, right? Well, we came out of the store, put the stroller on the sidewalk, and I forgot to reattach Jordan's hand to the stroller. So we started walking this direction in downtown New Orleans, down the sidewalk. Jordan, I didn't reattach his hand, so he started walking the other way. 15, 20 seconds into it, a gentleman walks up to us and says, are you missing a child? I look and I go, yes. I look down the street and there's people everywhere. And I could see his little body darting through people running, trying to catch up to us. So I start running. I mean, I'm like, and I'm fast too, just so y'all know, I'm fast. Okay. And I'm running and then he sees me and then he runs faster because now he thinks it's a game. And when I grabbed him and wrapped him up, was I angry? I can't believe you were running the wrong way. Do you know what my heart felt like? I almost lost my son. If that man hadn't have said something 30 more seconds, I probably would have never found my son again. I wonder where my life would be right now. I don't think I would be standing here right now. I think I'd be in New Orleans. I'd still be looking for him now, some 24 years later. Do you know who my best friends would be? They'd be the people that would help me to find my son because there would be nothing more important than my relationship, my son, that he's lost and now he's found. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. So who do you think Jesus is looking on earth for that he might partner with it's the people that understand the ROI of eternal relationships by impacting people? And look, you can deploy your money to do a lot of great things. There are a lot of great organizations. You can feed people and help people and educate people, and those things are all great. But do they actually give them Jesus too? Because what if you fed people and didn't give them Jesus, so you gave them a full belly and sent them to hell? That's not really social justice. That's an eternal injustice. And then all I'm trying to get you to understand is that there's no greater place to deploy your assets for a spiritual, eternal ROI than right here in your church. Legacy offering happens in two weeks. Two weeks? In two weeks. And all I'm asking you to do is say, God, in light of all of this, what can I do to be a part of something that's going to last forever so that my legacy is eternal and not just here on this earth? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes and can we pray? God, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're saying to your people. Challenge us, encourage us, and give us faith to trust in you. Now, for those of you in here, legacy begins with right relationship with God. Maybe for some of you, you've never done that before. You, you know, maybe you're religious, but I'm not talking about being religious. And maybe you're a member of this church or somewhere else. And I'm not talking about being a member of a church. I'm talking about something that actually puts you in the seat of having an eternal life. And that's relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've done that before and something happened and you kind of gotten cold. You know how, you know how things do. Relationships drift. You move away from people. Maybe you've done that with Christ and you know you need to re-up that because really... Your legacy begins with that, and so you need to re-up it. It doesn't matter what category you're in. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. 
One, two, three. Raise your hand all over the place. Other location, those online. Yes. Praise God. You know what? It's not about your hand, but it signifies what's in your heart. And that's what's important. Okay, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Would you follow along with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I don't understand it, but I know you love me. So today, I respond to that love. Jesus, you made a way. You paid my sin. You died on the cross. You came to life again. You did all of that to pay my sin and give me eternal life. So today, I believe in my heart. I declare with my mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. You're my number one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.